This is the Doing Good Through Food podcast, hosted by Alex Coffin. Join us as we explore all the ways food and the businesses that serve it can be a force for good in the world. Hello, Alex here. Welcome to this episode of Doing Good Through Food. The guest that you're about to hear from is working to do good through food in a really direct and important way. Um, And particularly right now, due to the coronavirus and the lockdown response in the UK. So I'm talking to Naomi Duncan, the Chief Executive of Chefs in Schools. They're a charity that works to improve the health of children through better school food and education. They help schools to recruit chefs who want to cook with purpose and also share their passion for food with the next generation by teaching the children that they cook for. Charity provides training for the chefs to help them transition into a school environment successfully. Right now, though, they're working with a particular focus. They realised straight away that the closure of schools would have a really serious impact on those children for whom free school meals are the main or even the only food they receive in a day. Chefs in schools are working to prevent children living in food insecure households in the UK from going hungry. They're providing free school meals to eligible pupils who are now at home and they're helping schools to feed the children of key workers as well. Please, you know, enjoy the episode. I think you'd be fascinated to hear how exactly they're responding to the crisis. And if you're in a position to donate anything to help them continue their vital work, please do consider doing so. The link to their funding page is in the information for this episode. Uh, We are live. Naomi, welcome to Doing Good Through Food. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for you know making time at, at this strange and very busy time. How how are you doing? Doing reasonably well, I think, given the given the circumstances. Um, I think it is a particularly difficult time for everyone at the moment. That really goes without saying. But there is also an enormous amount of opportunity to do good and um, add value. And I think in the current climate, being able to do something in that environment feels like um, feels like it makes things easier a bit. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's probably the place to start, you know, the, the current climate and the crisis that that we're facing. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a crisis, obviously, uh, which is really unprecedented in the way that it is hitting everybody across the board. It, it seems like it's hitting people in different ways, though. And, you know, I've, I've seen quite a lot of comment, particularly more recently, about, um, you know, pointing out the fact that whilst everybody's in this, they're not all in this in the same way. You know, if you're self-isolating in a, you know, on a farm somewhere out in the country, you've got a very different experience to somebody in a flat in the city. And I'm, you know, I'm, sure that this is impacting children in very different ways as well so I mean we'll we'll talk obviously about your the work that you do under normal circumstances and and um we'll get to that perhaps but what what are you trying to do right now to prevent children from going hungry as a result of this crisis well yeah I think I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of saying that although this is a a crisis and it's a it's a virus that affects people regardless of uh, background regardless of um, 
income, regardless of anything. But the the experience of dealing not just with the virus, but with the consequences of it are enormously disparate. Um, I think one of the things that we identified pretty much immediately was that children who currently are entitled to have a free school meal um, in school because they come from an environment where, in fact, they may not otherwise get any other meal, were going to be, you know, seriously vulnerable um, when schools were closed. Uh, we had very little time to prepare for it, so we had a, we had a couple of days. I think all of us knew that there was that it was coming on the horizon, but in reality, to kind of have the the moment of schools closing down within two days was quite dramatic to turn something around. Um, and one of the things that we were really keen to make sure didn't happen was that those children who would otherwise get that meal would would then be be left without and potentially be in a, a situation where they were in increasing food insecurity. So often, you know, having parents who might be in um, jobs who were then being immediately laid off, there was an enormous amount of panic in what, what feels like years ago, but was only a few weeks ago before yeah, the job yeah. retention scheme had been announced. Um, so what we did initially is we started talking to the schools that we were already working with um, to say, you know, what's your plan for free school meal provision? What can we do to support you? Where we as a charity, Chefs in Schools, are sort of uniquely placed is that we have contacts across both the education sector, but also the restaurant industry. And in, the interesting thing for us in this crisis has been that as schools are kind of expected to deliver more in and in different ways, restaurants have obviously faced this completely existential crisis. So what we had, what we noticed immediately, is we've got people being laid off from restaurants who want to be cooking, and we've got schools who are having staff who are often going off sick and being unable to deliver what they would normally deliver. And so what we we've, we've been doing is creating kind of a service where we're matching up those chefs who want to volunteer with schools who want to get a, a nutritious free school meal provision out. So that's that's been the focus. And for the last few weeks, it's been a case of kind of trialing and refining different models and seeing what's works best. Um, and I think we've now got to a stage where we have a, a, a really good nutritious weekly meal offer that feeds not just uh, the free school meal child but also their family of four um, and we've been able to do that with a huge amount of collaboration with um, other charities with Fair Share with the Felix Project with Magic Breakfast and also with a huge amount of collaboration with the schools that we work with. Amazing so the I mean that was a question I was going to ask actually was where the where the produce to do this is coming because obviously we're you know we're experiencing um pressure on all parts of the system and the, the supply side is a big part of that um so I imagine when schools were closed initially there would have been you know full fridges and those sorts of things to work with but as this has gone on are you your reliance on donations or is it are you able to purchase food in some in some are schools able to get the food that they need um in a way that maybe other people aren't so i think one of the really important things to get across is that as a country that our food security is in a good place um so although in the initial weeks there were challenges buying food um a lot of that 
was to do with kind of a massive upheaval in terms of how we were all buying food, not to do with a lack of food in and of itself. Mm. I've just, just started to see in the last uh, couple of days, I think, read about an estimate of something like 100 million tonnes worth of additional food waste in the last, you know, that it, we're just starting to see in the system are the, the result of all that panic buying. So, yep. you know, which is a, makes it a double, a tragedy awful. In, yes. in itself. But you know, the, yeah. the kind of ongoing tragedy from that being, a, you know, a considerable amount of that food was being bought with the kind of last money coming in in the bank account or even on credit cards. Right. We, you know, we're seeing people going out and stockpiling fresh food, um, which is now, you know, as, as we sort of could have known at the time is now um, going to waste, which is, yeah, it's no, it's an enormous shame. I, 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 I understand them. I, I don't have judgment for anybody who went out and panic bought. And I think, you know, that you get one person that panic buys and that, that spreads very quickly. And I think having kind of really clear central government communication to say the food, we have food security um, was so important. And, and I think the, the, the supermarkets have done an enormously good job in terms of communicating that supply is, you know, in, in good state but i guess to go back to your question how that affected us was and how it's still affecting us now actually so we are taking food surplus um from fair share and felix project to redistribute which is enabling us to not just then provide the meal for the free school meal child but also to provide food for their family as well which i think is really important um if we didn't have that surplus um delivery we would still be using and we'll encourage schools to do this to continue to use the supply chain one of the really crucial things for us you know in, in a micro way as a charity but for, for our for our government for our society is to continue money going around supply chains wherever we can we we don't want to see the kind of small independent green grocers and butchers going bust because their major customers have suddenly completely diverted so we're buying produce through suppliers we're taking surplus deliveries to kind of pad out what we're doing but it is really important to keep that money flowing around absolutely um so you said i mean this has been the last couple of weeks have been a uh, a trial a sort of um in a, in a sense you know a, a discovery process working out how how to get this um you know how to get this work as well as it possibly can i mean it sounds like the the systems are are getting there and you you said you were you're working with the you know the initial um points of attacking this was with the people that you're already working with are you now starting to try to engage more widely take what you've learned and and apply it to you know put it in a template or in a way in in advice that can be can be sort of spread around generally precisely that so i guess as chefs in schools as a charity we our goal was to work initially with a hundred schools to completely transform how food and food education is delivered and to prove that a model that is considerably better can be financially sustainable and deliver far better results. And our goal outside of that was to use those 100 schools to inspire thousands of others to say, okay, 
well, maybe maybe things could be better with school food. Maybe it's not just a problem that I have to, you know, walk past the dining hall and think, oh, I mean, that's a problem, but it's a can of worms I can't open yet as a head teacher. Um, so our, our, our method of working has always been to do kind of an element of direct delivery, but as much as possible to create resources and share them broadly so that other people can make change for themselves. So, yeah, spot, spot on. What we've done is we've we've worked with the initial foundation schools leap federation where we where we started we worked really closely with um the executive head teacher there louise nichols she's also a, a trustee and co-founded the charity we've worked really hard with her to develop a model that we now know works and our goal outside of that is to now then get in contact with other schools who are finding themselves in a position where they want to keep providing food to their free school meal children but they don't necessarily have the delivery mechanism for it or the logistical support or their contract caterer may have had to pull out for financial reasons. There's a kind of enormous shifting pool of um, schools out there right now who are in different stages. And, yeah, our goal is very much over the coming months just to reach out really and support them. You know, as, as we said, the scale of the problem is huge. I imagine you're not finding it difficult to find people who need that sort of help. Is is it, I mean, I suppose is that right? Is Is it the opposite that you're being inundated or what, what are you finding are people crying out for this sort of help I imagine they, they all want to help their children that need this absolutely I think I think there's a really there's a really diverse picture um I think that there are there are different different groups of people in quite different positions so there's there's people who were entitled to free school meals who are in insecure income who now don't have any income coming in um are struggling to access new government-backed forms of income and for them they might have stockpiled goods for the first couple of weeks that's now run out they've just had their last payday i think there's a, a, a kind of hardcore group of people who are just running out of food at the point right at which that's where we need to step in. That's where you need to have a provision of food available. For, for us, it's been really interesting looking. So the government have released a, uh, a voucher scheme. Uh, the comms around it has been really interesting because although the, the detailed communication that sits behind it says that to feed free school meal children lunch, your first point of call should be your 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 catering, your current catering provision, whether it's in-house or catered out. Um, and then as your last resort, you have this access to this voucher scheme if you have no other way of getting food to um, to your free school meal children. It, the way it's been communicated and the way it's been reported is national voucher scheme is here. Don't worry about any of the other stuff, which is, a, for me, I think is a real shame. I think there's two big things going on in the country at the moment, and this is more broadly on food insecurity. Number one, there's people who don't have the money but do have the ability to go out to buy fresh food to cook it for themselves to feed their family with it and the government need to take action to make sure that they have the money to be able to do that which obviously various different schemes going on at the moment but I think there's definitely an element of which it's not getting to people quickly enough and I think there's another group of people who may not have that access to fresh food who aren't covered by this voucher scheme which doesn't cover the the smaller supermarkets the local supermarkets 
or don't have cooking facilities at home or don't have recourse to public funds. So even if they could get income through, uh, say, universal credit, they wouldn't be entitled to get it. I think there's just an enormously diverse pool of people. You know, we we know that at the point of all this starting, that 1.3 million children in this country qualified for free school meals. The suspicion, you know, is that that number should be considerably higher. Um, I think uh, Children's Society is suggesting that around 4 million children live in food insecure households. Um, we know that the number of children who don't have access to that food is only going to grow as the financial elements of this crisis bite. And for us, it's really important to make sure, yes, that people have money to buy food where they can, but also to make sure that we're continuing that provision of nutritious, healthy food to children who would have otherwise been eating free school meals at the moment. So, I mean, it, it sounds sounds as though there are children who are falling through the gaps already. Um, there are. You know, it, it, and I mean, this situation can't can't do anything to improve that. I mean, how, you said you're identifying, you're working with the schools to identify the children who need this. Is, is that, it sounds like the most efficient route to identify the people who need this. Is it, are there other ways? I mean, if... If, say, somebody listening or if, if somebody knows or suspects that, you know, there is a child in need in this way, is there any way of directly affecting this or does it need to come through these channels, through the school, through the through the official routes? Yeah. So I, I, at the moment, I think that there are pockets of incredible initiatives going on everywhere um, and there is a move at the moment by um, the Department for the Environment to sort of start looking at bringing some level of central government coordination to that. Um, but at local authority level, you know, we we really strongly feel that local communities at this point are the people who best know how to serve their local communities. So it, depending on the area that you're in, it's a case of accessing you know, your local authority, accessing local mutual aid groups, local food banks, and identifying yourself or identifying that person to them. Um, schools are in a really strange place. Some of them are open, some of them are closed. Um, ones that are open are then tending to be hub schools for other local schools. So they might, if there's only five children in each of the 10 local schools, then why not put all of them in one or two schools? It seems to seems to be the, the, the logic. So whether or not that support, you're going to be able to access it from your local school, particularly when it seems to me that there's a growing number of schools that aren't offering any food provision, but are just offering vouchers. It's really tricky. It's really tricky to say where you can access different things. I would I would suggest starting with the school um, and schools are under this obligation to provide some kind of food support for free school meal children, um, children who qualify for free school meals. The government have advised and said that children who newly qualify for free school meals will be still be able to be registered. So as more and more people find themselves in that situation, there will be the option to do that. Um, at the moment, it's a case of looking at local level. Okay. Um, do you do you have what you need to be doing what you're trying to do at the moment? I mean, obviously, this is a you know we said this is a vast problem. <clears throat> do you how what help do you need? I mean, how can people help you? 
I, so I, the single most important thing that you could do right now to help us is to go onto our website, uh, click through and donate to our crowdfunder, which we've just launched. Um, we're in this position where businesses have had a considerable amount of support from um, central government, which is fantastic. And some of that does apply to charities. However, charities are in a fairly unique position whereby um, income levels have dropped you know off a cliff edge quite often overnight precisely the time when demand is is ramping up to its highest so financial support right now to be able to see us over to the point where we can return to kind of income generation activity is is really important but there are other ways to support as well so if you are um if you are a chef and interested in volunteering then you can sign up via our website if you're a school and you've found yourself in a position where you want to be able to deliver a better free school meal provision but you um, don't have the tools currently to be able to do that please go onto our website please sign up we'd love to hear from you whatever we can do to support um, so our website's the first point of call it's www.chefsinschools.org.uk um well that that'll be in the show notes so if you're listening to this and want to uh, want to read more about it if you want to donate just click straight through um you can do that from within the the podcast app whichever one you're using um and and i take it they just make if somebody wants to make contact with you that's the way to do it as well they just go to the website and and your contact details will all be there that's the perfect route brilliant okay um maybe we could talk a bit about what you do as an organization more under you know under more normal circumstances like you said um you know with the right funding in place and you know if, if this doesn't go on uh for as long as you know as some estimates say it might then you'll be getting back to doing what you normally do oh, hopefully know. sooner than you know soon as possible um maybe you could just explain a bit about what chefs in schools is about um in more normal circumstances what is it that you're trying to do Sure. So um, I, I'll give you a bit of backstory. Um, so uh, our charity formally has been in existence since 2018, but in reality, it's been around uh, for actually quite a lot longer than that, for about five years before that. Um, and it started by accident. Um, Henry Dimbleby, who listeners may know as um, the man who founded Leon or the man who helped to found uh, the Sustainable Restaurant Association, um, in addition to writing the school food pan for Michael Gove back in 2014. Um, so Henry was a governor at a state primary school in Hackney where his children attended and the, the cook left and he sent a tweet out on his Twitter account saying oh we need we need a new we need a new cook we want to make school food better we need a new cook and it ended up in the hands of the head chef of a Ottolenghi restaurant in Mayfair who was kind of coming to the point of contemplating her future career and thinking you know what what's next for me do I want to continue with this kind of work-life balance that I have do I want to do something with more meaning and it just happened at the perfect time um and so what happened then Nicole the the former Ottolenghi head chef came she took on the catering at this primary school under the kind of headship of uh, Louise Nichols our other co-founder and what Nicole discovered really quickly was first of all that she was horrified when she walked in to see what was considered being food 
served to children um a lot of packets being opened a lot of um a lot of tins a lot of not a lot of fresh food and a lot of kind of highly processed food being being put out meat of um not of the standard that she would have expected and so on and what she discovered almost immediately was that you can't as an adult just go in and change all of the food to beautiful brilliant fresh food um and not have a conversation with the children about that so um one of the one of the most kind of foundational moments i think for us as a charity happened then happened in changing the food recognizing that the children didn't understand the change they hadn't been consulted they didn't understand what this new food was and and so what nicole did was took on teaching of food as well so she went into the classroom she'd sort of hang her apron up after service go into the classroom teach the kids about food but teach them about real food not about how to kind of bake cakes and make fruit salads but how to cook over a fire pit or how to butcher a chicken or how to you know do make goyoza or whatever the kind of thing of the day was and what she found was that by gaining the kids trust and by teaching them about food in a way that felt safe and accessible to them she was then able to start taking out some of the more heavily processed items that the kids were otherwise you know very much looking forward to the kind of the story of the child at the door saying when are we getting the sausage and chips back uh, not that there's anything mm. wrong with them sausage and chips once in a while but I think is like a, a regular menu item probably not not the best that we can be um and so from from this what happened is it garnered quite a lot of attention and the head teacher was constantly having calls from other schools to say how do we get this how do we get this this beautiful fresh food and the kids eating it and Nicole was getting lots of calls from her chef friends to say, why are you never at work? It's it's 3 p.m., yeah. it's a weekend, it's a holiday, why aren't you at work? Um, and it it created this kind of this 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 enormous enthusiasm. And so Chefs in Schools was born. We knew that there was a huge appetite for it. Um, and so what we do is we work with, as I said, I, I said earlier, we, our, our goal is to work with a hundred schools over five years. We worked with 25 in the first year so I think which was five times as many as we intended to so I think I think right. we're definitely going to hit our target yeah the demand um, is definitely there <laughs> yeah yeah um and then what so what we do is we help schools to run catering for themselves and to implement this model of fresh food that you've taught kids about that you're getting them engaged in thinking about thinking about their food choices so they're thinking you know rather than just going for the convenience items but thinking actually about well, what is this food what is it safer to me now that I understand what it is that I'm willing to try different things and what we found is that as I said you know kids will engage much more with what we we we, we, we don't like to use the word healthy um because mm. a because if you tell a teenager anything's healthy that you you might as well have just signed your own death warrant <laughs> yeah we talk about real food we talk about it being unprocessed we talk about the kind of passion and joy that we have for food and just sharing that with the next generation so yeah that's that's the goal a hundred schools and then from that to inspire thousands more and to create materials um the other thing that we're doing is we've built a school of food in hackney um to serve the local community so it's a, a place where the community can come where local schools can bring children um to learn about food there's 
grounds and gardens there's going to be a productive orchard and productive vegetable patches and so on um for us that's really key to kind of cementing our relationship in hackney but it's also uh, a training center that we can use to train school cooks and chefs from across the capital my experience in school catering tells me various things but one of the most fundamental things is that we haven't looked after and trained and valued our workforce in the way that we need to if we want to make things better so we are working on a project to develop a professional accreditation which was one of the recommendations from the school food plan um, to train up school cooks to, to have that kind of the craft ability but also to give you know to give a, a an element of career progression and motivation and and professional reward so we're doing we're doing all sorts of different things but those are the two two kind of key bits for the moment well you know it sounds all sounds fantastic i mean i've got a lot of a lot of questions sort of spring to mind and i suppose the um i suppose the first one is how it's just really about how you actually how you do it um so that you know you just described nicole's experience going in and doing it for herself you know and and being that person on the ground and and leading the change that that needed to happen is it a different sort of experience when you are going in as an as external support to a to a school is there a sort of resistance there ever or even typically i mean when you're called in who is it that initiates that is this coming from the head teachers or the governors or you know the the management in some sense and is it do you struggle to get the chefs on board ever do they see this as an attack you know as a sort of they're under scrutiny because we um, you and I've both got experience as consultants and obviously that can that can be um a reaction you know if you are an external person there is a sort of there's a level of suspicion that you have to overcome is that something that you experience doing this or is it are they are the teams that you come in and um help are they generally on board as soon as you're there do they do they want your help to improve so i think it's a it's probably a mixed bag i think sometimes there's a level of excitement because we have you know we have a fairly good profile and people might have seen us on celebrity master chef or on the one show or so on so sometimes i think there is a, a level of excitement but sometimes i think yeah i mean it's natural isn't it if anyone's even if the school's frustration is with the company that's been providing the catering rather than the people delivering it there's always an element of that kind of personal um the way you take things personally um so i guess for us it's it, it kind of works in a, in a couple of ways in in some situations we um have worked kind of providing training without bringing in an external chef so we'll, we'll just directly provide that training um in other places we've identified that actually that there's a skills gap within the team and we, we when we initially started i think we thought we'd be doing a lot of kind of recruitment of external chefs who were tired of working in the restaurant industry yeah. to come and take school kitchens on and quite often what we found is that the the the, the kitchen team respond really well to having to, to to being kind of skilled up and tooled up to be able to do things other than you know open open packets and to have a kind of level of prestige for me it's 
for me, it's really fundamental. It's, this is not about fancy chefs. This is about everybody in the school kitchen team having the skills to be able to having the skills and the ability and the freedom to make great food and and you know mm. we deliver that training through chefs and sometimes we recruit in chefs to train up the rest of the team and they take it on on a permanent basis but fundamentally that it is about the people in the kitchen and it is about training them up um so i think um you'll listen alex you know as well as i do there's always going to be people who are just thoroughly resistant to any kind of change and there is this weird always yeah yeah and there's a weird breed in school kitchens particularly that I've noticed where you'll occasionally find someone in a school kitchen who doesn't like children and doesn't like cooking (laughs) and there is an element to which they're not they're in the wrong place (laughs) you you have to kind of politely ask them whether or not they've thought that one through Um, but I would say you know if, if, if I look at the teams that we're working with now compared to a year ago, ones where it's we've just trained up the existing chef or ones where we've parachuted in a, a restaurant chef with from an incredible pedigree, I'm looking at the same teams and I'm looking at them looking, you know, f- for the most part, happier and more freed up. And, you know, we're giving them opportunities to do things like go and spend a day working in the kitchen at Dishoom or Nopi or you know kind of there's an element to which they're accessing things that they just could never have accessed otherwise it's eye-opening sort of stuff isn't it I think mm. I think in um I mean I've, my experience in school kitchens is is quite limited I've generally worked in different sectors of food service but um but I, I have been there a bit and there's generally the teams are very long-standing or at least a core of them you know mm-hmm. in, in you know that so there's there's a, a big element, I think, of things always having been done a certain way, and you don't you don't know what you don't know. So going going and seeing how things are done in a place like Dishoom or Nopi or something like that would be, I, I imagine, would be incredible. Yeah, quite quite a different experience, I think. I I think it was a couple of years ago. Um, as I did a podcast episode. Um, I went to a school, fantastic school. Um, Charlton Manor Primary, oh, yeah. and I spoke to the teacher there, a guy called Tim Baker, about what they were trying to do. And I was really, I mean, they embodied a lot of these things that that we're talking about. You know, they they were really um, they, living this. You know, food was such a huge part of everything. And I was, you know, it was really quite inspirational to to hear how that had all come about and the effect that it had had. And a, a big part of their story a big part of what they were trying to do was the uh or what he put their success down to was growing food at mm. the school they had they had a very um big focus on uh a, a kitchen garden you know and, and children were very involved in it and there was a lot of growing and then you know that produce was used and so on and so this the kind of the story was was um was there you know was complete if you like is that something that you recommend wherever possible is it harder to engage children if they don't see that side of things as well if they're just seeing this as you know the food comes in even if it's great quality food if they don't have the the production experience does it make it harder do you think yes (laughs) simply put yes I think I think it's indicative of um I think as a country we have we've had a few decades of having a bit of a broken relationship with food we've become quite disconnected with understanding where things 
come from and what they look like before they end up in the kind of processed meal that we might eat. Um, and I think there's a couple of generations of children who've who've gone through that, and we're seeing the output of that in terms of enormous increase in diet-related disease. You know, horrific statistics about the number of children that leave primary school obese. You know, we have a, an enormous mm. problem with our connection with food. And so anything that we can do to repair that connection so that we can understand, OK, well, this is, you know, food is grown in the ground. It doesn't just come mm. from the packet. And it sounds uh, I don't know, it sounds basic to say it, but actually the reality is that that disconnection does exist. Um, so, yeah, no, we, we massively support any initiatives. I mean, most of the schools, most primary schools have some element of of, of growing on site anyway. Um, yeah. with things like edible playgrounds and biodomes and there's a lot of really great initiatives and yeah, we really wonderful. thoroughly encourage people to um, engage with that one of the things that I've also noticed is that all of the chefs that come from restaurant backgrounds that we've placed they're all all mad about growing food as well as um, mm. eating food which I think you know is a perfect example of that kind of level of passion and connection with food so we placed two chefs, um, Sam and Jake, into a, a primary school in Streatham. Um, and one of the first things that they did, they were out in the edible playground. They were picking the cavalonero with the kids. And then the next day I <laughs> walked in to see children eating, children in a, in, a, in a primary school in Streatham, happily tucking away into, into cavalonero. And I was thinking, hold mm. on, you've only been here for a week. You've, you've done that quite well. <laughs> you've done it. Yep. Yeah, you've done it. Brilliant. Job done, guys. Yeah, brilliant. Um, well <laughs> presumably the children maybe had seen that cavalonero being grown before but regardless i guess the point the point is you're absolutely right any kind of increase in that connection so one of the other wonderful charities that we, we we really respect and have a lot of time for as a charity called taste ed who um do a lot of work with um teaching kids about food through you know sight and sound and smell and touch and feel before taste even comes into it um, and again that's about kind of growing a relationship with a, a raw ingredient and growing a kind of a different engagement with food absolutely um one of the one of the things that um you know i think lots of people are grappling with at the moment um the sort of the parents among us is you know is teaching at the moment you know with the the lockdown um, in place, you know, we're we're teaching and and we're sort of working where we can as well. Do you think there are opportunities to teach through food? Uh, I suppose is what I'm trying to ask. I, I've, like I said, when I was at Charlton Manor, that was something that they really were all focused on was not just having food as now you're learning about food. Food was integrated into the curriculum. You know, mm -hmm. they were teaching science through food. They were teaching particularly young children things like basic maths and proportion and fractions and all those sorts of things through chopping vegetables and, and portioning whatever it might be you know it's um I mean do you obviously there are opportunities there what do you have any kind of advice for somebody who's listening and wants to to try to keep that sort of thing going while their children's school is shut definitely I mean I so for a start I wholeheartedly just applaud the approach at um Charlton Manor I think it's fantastic um we work with a couple of 
schools who are following a kind of similar vein of trying to embed food into every different element. Um, I think there are some wonderful online resources. Um, YouTube and Twitter are definitely your your friends at this point in time to kind of dig those resources out. We are, as a charity, um, also looking into over time, depending on how long this particular, you know, this shutdown element goes on for developing resources that we can release through our channels. So giving us a, a follow on all of the social media channels is also not a bad idea. Um, yep. Yeah, I think any any opportunity that you have to, you know, I think so. I think the parents that I'm I'm, I'm not a parent myself. Um, the parents that I'm speaking to at the moment, I think the message that's kind of getting across to them or that they're managing to cope with is the concept of you know you, as a as homeschooling your your children whilst trying to balance your job whilst trying to balance your kind of anxiety and fears about the current crisis really your goal should be to just you know engage with your kids give them some activities yeah, don't overcomplicate it and i think food is a really wonderful kind of low impact way of doing that and it's also you know i think there's probably two million loaves of banana bread have been baked in the last few weeks which you know what if that's we've, what we've got a freezer do, yeah. of course yeah. if, if that's what you can do right now brilliant opportunity to do it with your children it's something practical yeah. it's getting them engaged with food wonderful i think having something to do with your hands at this point in time is also um really valuable so yeah i think all, all of those opportunities should be grabbed with both hands Absolutely. I was wondering if we could talk a bit about the about the future. I mean, it's, it's obviously a bit um, so much stuff is up in the air at the moment. But we touched a little bit on your 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 aims. You know, you're working directly with a hundred schools within five years, and like you said, you're you know sort of in on very much on track to do that at the current rate. I mean, what what are what are your hopes as an organisation? What what are you trying to achieve? So I I think for, for a start, I do want to say I I think that we're at a point at the moment in in this country as well as in this crisis where the next few weeks are going to be particularly difficult. But it is really important that we all remember that there is a future on the other side of it, and I think that there will be you know as much as this is a dark time and as much as it's you know probably going to get a bit darker um there is a lot to be hopeful about about how we might reflect on this afterwards and and, and changes that we might make so i think as as an organisation you know we're looking at what's happening at the moment in school food and we, what we're noticing is that a there are instances of just brilliant practice there are caterers out there who are really stepping up and that's that that is so fantastic um but we're also seeing we're also seeing poor performance we're also seeing you know appalling what classes is a, a hamper that contains you know a, a loaf of bread a bit of cheese and four packets of crisps so i think for us as an organization there is going to be a realignment in terms of how we outsource the, the major outsourcing providers are are having um you know, all of the same stresses and more of um, of other businesses. They're, they're you know, being compelled to continue services in really challenging environments. The guidance given to public institutions, particularly in terms of how to to, to fund that, is is very open to interpretation. Um, so we are hearing that you know some schools, for example, are you know not willing to pay bills and so on. So there's such a mixed bag out there. I do think 
that coming out the other side of this, the picture in the school catering market is going to be quite different. You know, we're already in contact with a number of schools who are, you know, they're contacting us to say, listen, we really want to feed our free school meal children, but our caterer won't do it or can't do it or whatever else. And I think for us as an organisation, there's going to be a lot of opportunity coming out of this to to work with new schools and new people and, you know, embed this model in, in other places and you know we are ex, you know excited that that's a something that we might be able to help with at the other side of this um so i guess and outside of that we you know we're continuing to work on on all of the plans that we were laying out anyway a, a research and evaluation strategy developing this training accreditation we're really hoping we've got a you know a, a really great funder who's willing to work with us not just to fund it but also to help us develop it in a way that has a meaningful impact on childhood obesity um as well as providing this craft training so you know the, there's a lot there's a lot to look forward to on the other side of this Gee, it's obviously it's it's early days and you know with with things likely to get worse before it improves it's it sort of feels a bit a bit premature to be talking about you know silver linings or anything to that effect but it seems like there's been a real shift to me at least among a lot of the people that I talk to about the um importance of food to them and the Mm -hmm. sort of the the focus that's being placed on it obviously with this initial panic around supply which like you know as you said is um passed to a degree you know there's been enough assurance around that but I think I think maybe that was such a shock for people, you know, something that hasn't ever been mm. a reality. You know, this has all been very, it, it matters a lot to the people that it matters to. And everybody knows what they, that, that food's important in a sort of abstract way. But maybe this was the first time in most of our lifetimes that there's been a real threat to it in some way. Do you, do you think that there's a bit of a, a sort of reevaluation of, of just how important food is and the, and the systems that deliver it? I hope so. So, I mean, I think, I think, I think right now there is, and I think we need to keep the momentum going on that conversation because mm-hmm. there is a danger that memories, you know, what is it that you know, history? If history teaches us anything, it's that it never teaches us anything. So, right, I really yeah. hope so. So, I mean, that was, yeah. you know, not not saying that I don't think it will, but I think that is one of the things if we can grasp that as an opportunity I, I would I would love for us to fundamentally look at I mean we're being forced to contemplate very closely you know food security where we buy food from the kind of intricacies of how it's sourced and supplied and delivered and it is it is bringing home I think to a lot of people things that they hadn't necessarily considered before um, I think it's interesting timing so our our, our chair Henry Henry Dimbleby is has been overseeing the national food strategy, writing the national food strategy mm-hmm. with his team um, in DEFRA. And I think that piece of work, I mean, I'm enormously grateful that it was started considerably before this, because I think an enormous amount of we had a, a head start in terms of understanding food security in the country by the time the crisis hit. Um, but I think the output of that is going to be really crucial. Um, we're facing a really strange world when we come out of this. There are going to be all sorts of global repercussions that we we can't even begin to comprehend. And I certainly can't begin to comprehend yet. And on top of that, you know, we are changing our relationship with, you know, one of our biggest trading partners, which has all sorts of implications for food. So I hope that this is the moment where we where we 
look at food and we recognize its importance and more than anything on top of that i hope that we recognize all of the cogs in the machine that make it so important every single school catering assistant and supermarket worker and delivery man who we've kind of overlooked and you know probably in often cases underpaid and undertrained and undervalued we're suddenly realizing that actually they are the backbone of our country and we are lost without them so for me that's that's the silver lining right now yeah i couldn't agree more it's um it's very clear who is essential isn't it Mm. yeah um we i wanted to um one, one of the things that i wanted to just mention um and share if that's if that's all right with you there's a resource on your website that i found um a document called what works well in school food which i thought was fantastic um masses of really sort of clear concise advice on that for head teachers and probably really for anybody who's interested in you know what good school food looks like is that um i suppose are you happy for me to put that uh, attach that to this and and share it absolutely very happy there there are a number of resources that we um we have that have come from the school food plan so this is one of the resources that's developed around that and then we've obviously kind of you know put our spin on on things as we think them but i would really encourage anyone who is any head teacher right now particularly um who has ever kind of walked past the school canteen and thought oh it's not a thing for me to worry about now well now you know we all have a bit of time to reflect on things and maybe now is the time actually when schools reopen maybe sit down and and eat that meal and see you know is that a meal that you're happy eating if it is wonderful if it isn't head onto our website download the guide to what works well in school food it gives you loads of practical things that you can start addressing without any assistance um, and if there's more that we can do for you then please do get in contact it's on our website we're going to need to start drawing this to a close in a minute I, I've I have lots more questions but I think I think we've covered the most perhaps the most important bits um you know the things that I really wanted to get get into about now so just just to maybe recap if people are still listening now the things that you'd really like them to do first and foremost would be donate to help you help you do what you're doing at the moment and go to the website that was that was what we said wasn't it that was so that's for us that's fundamental we need to get through this period and we need to come out of the other side ready to go back to business um we have a lot of work that we can do in this crisis to help schools make sure that some of the most vulnerable kids in our society get decent food um so any support that you can give us to do that would be really valued brilliant all right so do um just click through the link is in the show note below please go and do that now um the way that i draw these to a close typically is just with a few more general questions a little bit more quick fire um would you be happy to do that very happy very happy all right first question is in the context of food if i say success who do you think of and why 
Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Nicole Pisani, our um our co-founder, and I know that that's a that's an awful thing to say, um, but it's an awful cop out. But it's I genuinely genuinely have just the most enormous amount of respect for how she, she you know, made such a success of um being a chef in a restaurant and then went on to just make a stunning success of doing it in schools. It's just I'm awed by it. It's a brilliant answer. Um, what's your favourite thing to do that has nothing to do with food? <laughs> Um, I think exercise with my friends, which is not a sentence I, uh, five years ago I would have thought I'd be saying. But um, yeah, who, who are you? Who, who even am I? I've got really into exercise, so yeah, I'm very much looking forward to doing that again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you could pick up your pick up the phone and talk to your twenty year old self, what would you say to her? Ah, uh, I would say. <laughs> I don't know just keep keep going um it gets significantly easier once you work out how to work with other people to do things rather than just trying to do it all yourself that is good advice so so yeah certainly what you're doing at the moment you you need people that can't be a can't be a solo project can it I think we'll leave it there I that's that's plenty and it's been really fascinating talking to you um so just once more please go to the website, go from there, find out you know more about what you're doing. And, and if you're in a position to donate, please do that. Um, would you like to, is there anything else you'd like to add anywhere else you'd like people to go or just, just to the website? Just and To the website, follow us on our socials. And if you can donate, brilliant. And if you can't, not a problem. Do give us a follow anyway. And uh, I hope everyone is doing good things with food in their homes right now. Absolutely. All right. Well, look, thank you very much for your time. Um, it's been really fascinating and best of luck with everything that you're doing. Thanks, Alex.